Hi, my name's Ellie Griffiths, I'm a language student and self-confessed workaholic. Join me over the upcoming weeks as I dive too deep into an array of topics with friends, focusing on the realities of student living, mental health and all things topical. So, settle down, grab a cuppa and let's get too deep into this week's discussion. with my friend Jazz to discuss all things veganism and the importance of personal change for sustainability. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Tea Deep podcast. Jazz, how do you make the perfect cup of tea? <laughs> Hello. Um, well, I actually prefer herbal tea, um, but if I was going to make a, a normal tea, then I would use oat milk because I think it makes it nice and creamy. Whereas, I don't know, I think almond milk is a bit bitter, personally. I was going to say, like, how do you make it vegan? Yeah, it's just it's just a milk replacement. But there's so many out there. It's like, which one do you choose from? Because they all have different qualities, I feel. I feel like oat milk is better in hot chocolate because it makes it really, like, creamy. it's nice you can make it yourself too like quite easily yeah you just like blend oats and water together (laughs) it doesn't sound very appealing um but then I think you I don't know I haven't done it myself but um you can strain it in like a cheesecloth or um you know the bags that you can get um like veg and Sainsbury's in oh yeah yeah you can strain it in that and that'll make milk, supposedly. But then it won't have, like, you know, the fortified vitamins and stuff, which is good for you. I don't know, like, I picked almonds as being quite sweet, like a dessert-type thing. Um, yeah, I so see I that. that'd be quite nice in tea. Yeah. Oh, let me know if you try it. I will do. <laughs> so, first of all, what is veganism? And what brought you to being a vegan? Like, what made you go, yeah, I'm going to try that? <laughs> um, okay, so... I think, I don't know how to describe veganism really, it's just like a diet without any animal products in Um, and uh, I've been vegetarian my whole life since I was basically born Um, so I I don't know, I don't know what started it. I read a book when I was like 13 um, called like Why We Love Dogs, Eat Pigs and Wear Cows and it was very traumatic. It was. It talked about the meat industry um, in America primarily, but it talked about European meat practices as well. And I didn't eat meat, so it didn't. It didn't. It shouldn't have affected me that much. But I just. It, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> um, but it still took me a good few years until I, you know, made the choice to cut out cheese and ice cream and stuff, just because they're, they're just so good. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. How do you suddenly go? Yeah, I'm going to be vegan, and then convert if that's the right thing to say (laughs) like what what's kind of the supplement for for dairy and things like that yeah oh it's difficult because there's like um like there's a there's a few really good ice cream brands I'd recommend like Swedish glacé is delicious but it's really expensive um so it's like I don't really buy ice cream unless I really really want to because it's like £3.50 for a 250 milliliter tub of ice cream which is just nothing (laughs) um and then (laughs) I know yeah (laughs) it's terrible um and then cheeses like there's never really I have never found a vegan cheese that is you know quite as good as mozzarella or I really liked um oh what was it um 
the only the one with orange rind like it's like a french i don't know but it's like really creamy and i've never found a replacement for that but i think the the more time you go without eating something like the less you miss it because you forget what it tastes like <laughs> yeah I, I think that's that's probably a good way of summing it up to be honest like yeah. years ago i hated eating meat like it was the worst thing on the planet <laughs> um <laughs> and then like over the past few years my love's kind of grown for it but yeah I, think... I feel like seasoning things and like when you're cooking things if you know like how to make what you're cooking taste good it makes the world of difference to what you eat <laughs> oh, absolutely like that's the thing I guess you can kind of cook something that's perceived to be a meat-based dish and then just use yeah. vegetables instead but as you say like yeah especially like the seasoning yeah. and, and stuff like that that makes yeah it. there's like meat substitutes like tofu is a big one and by itself it doesn't really taste of anything it's just a bit plain <laughs> um but you can season it really really well and it, it soaks up flavor really nicely you can get things that um you can marinate like lots of seasonings in and so the tofu just sucks it all up it's so good what do you eat that with then like is it just oh rice? i put tofu with everything i have it is like um I, I sometimes i feel like i don't necessarily need tofu like if i'm doing a stir fry or something then i'll just it'll be just veg and like maybe some beans or chickpeas or something uh i made with my housemate a few days ago we made a really nice like it's like a chinese takeaway like um sticky chicken sti- like sticky tofu thing <laughs> i don't know what we was meant to replace but it was really really good and that was literally like tofu cut into cubes and then fried in corn flour and salt and pepper i think and then with a really nice sauce over the top i feel like i've been persuaded (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's fully about what you what you do with it you know like i have one of my housemates is also vegan but she doesn't enjoy food as much as i do she just kind of cooks to eat um so she'll like steam broccoli and steam vegetables and i just it makes me so sad because where's the flavor you don't want to have a soggy broccoli (laughs) (laughs) you know she's got into roasting it now though which makes me feel a bit better (laughs) like roasting broccoli yeah, roasted broccoli is really nice, and you can put like, I mean, salt and pepper and olive oil is a classic, but a bit of paprika on your roasted broccoli is really good. <laughs> I never even thought of that. Like, you can roast anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's so becoming the title of this. <laughs> <laughs> you can roast anything. I love it. <laughs> I was like doing some research about veganism, um, mm-hmm. and it kind of said that the term vegan was coined in 1944. I know that veganism or vegan came from vegetarian because it was just like, a, like they took out the middle letters and were like, yeah, they'll do. Um, but it was just to reflect like, it was, it's like a Western idea, isn't it? Because veganism as a dietary choice is kind of all over the world, but it's not necessarily called veganism. So I guess you can link it to, I don't know, changes in Western diets. But I don't know. I don't really know a lot about the history of veganism. I got a little book a few years ago that was like veganism, everything you need to know about it. And it had recipes and um, history stuff and like famous vegans. <laughs> My friend got it for me. Um, but I skipped the history section. I, I, I really should have gone back there. <laughs> <laughs> it would have come, ha- come in handy today. I know. I was trying to look for the book. I think I've got it at home. <laughs> yeah, like I think it was originally used to describe non-dairy vegetarians. Um, yeah and then like in 1951 they updated the definition to exclude all forms of animal exploitation so i thought that was quite interesting 
Yeah, I think that's interesting. I feel like um, like the lack of dairy products is a big one because that doesn't include eggs. And I feel like my opinion on eggs <laughs> as um, a food source um, changes. Like I used to think it was just very weird because it's effectively a chicken period, you know, like that's that's what it is. So it feels very weird to think, oh, yeah, that's an edible thing. But I used to really, really like eggs like when I ate them. So I think um, if I had when I was older, like some chickens, um, and they weren't, you know, they were nicely looked after, then I think I'd be okay to eat their eggs. Um, but you should, if you have chickens, fun fact, if you have chickens, you should feed them their own eggs because they use a lot of calcium to produce the eggs. So, like, chickens um, who produce a lot of eggs, they just don't have very good bones. Like, what's the eggshell made out of? Like, you've got um, calcium and, I don't know, other <laughs> stuff, but how does the chicken make the calcium inside her <laughs> you know um and it like draws out things from the rest of the body oh, i don't know honestly i feel like i'm just trying shit um but <laughs> That's what podcast is, to be honest. <laughs> um yeah but it's not very good for chickens like in like industrial egg farms like you know um what are they called like caged hens um like where they're like life yeah 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 um where their life is living in like a tiny little cage and they just produced eggs the whole life um they like their legs break underneath them it's pretty horrific it's really horrific <laughs> i know oh god i know yeah but i feel like if i had my own chickens i'd be fine having their eggs because like unless it gets fertilized it's not going to go anywhere yeah like you, you, know? you know how they're looked after and you can guarantee yeah exactly that, like you exactly. know the source of it even um free range egg like a good alternative if that makes sense like sometimes i go to the supermarket and i think oh i'll be good i'll buy like free range <laughs> eggs rather than you know <laughs> but yeah. even that apparently like yeah. still has dangers for chickens right yeah there's a um in the well, one of the many like books or things that i've read over the years about me because it took me like six years to properly go vegan i'm not i'm ashamed of it <laughs> um but yeah one of the things that i read was like the legalities of free range in uh the eu but i guess now we're out of that it'll change but in the eu i think um was that a chicken needs at least a meter squared per chicken and then access to outside so, like, one way that businesses get around... Because, like, food industry is a business. Like, they're trying to make money. So one way that they can get around it and, like, have more, like, chickens in less space is they'll have, like, 100 chickens in a barn that's, like, 100 metres squared and then one little door that has an access to the outside because that kind of counts, but it's not very good for the chickens. Oh, my God. Like, you wouldn't yeah. do that to a human. I know. Like, oh. <laughs> I feel like chickens are a weird one to talk about as well because they're so non-human. Like cows, you can kind of, like they act like dogs. You can throw them a ball and they can, you can talk about like cows and pigs being um, like the intelligence of a dog or something. But I feel like chickens are really difficult because they just don't look (laughs) nice, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like they're a bird. I don't think birds are particularly pleasant creatures. (laughs) Chicks are sweet though. I, I feel almost guilty every time i eat a piece of meat or something because yeah it's difficult that isn't it because you can't like live your life feeling guilty um it's, that's just not a way to live no. <laughs> um but i think it's like it's part of a like doing what you can when you can like you can't fight every single battle um like when i was 
transitioning into veganism one of my things was like okay well um i'll be vegan except when somebody's throwing away some food because food waste is more important to me but i would eat vegan if i bought it you know yeah so really it's it's kind of i don't want to say like the eco-friendliness yeah um, outweighs yeah i think there's different reasons for going vegan wondering like being vegan do you think it gives you any stereotypes I think there's definitely like a lot of stereotypes that I get like given. I went on um, a walk with somebody in like September and he was like, oh, haha, you're vegan and made all these jokes. And I was like, yeah, you, that's the first thing you've heard. Like, that's, that's not a that's not a thing. <laughs> like, I'm, I don't think I'm that preachy or vegan. I'm not going to like, I don't know shout at somebody for eating meat in front of me you know but then I don't I haven't actually met a vegan who does that so I feel like it's a bit of a just silly stereotype <laughs> yeah that's the thing like I don't know it's hard because I don't know that many vegans but the ones I do yeah like they're not like I don't know I wouldn't necessarily brand them a certain way yeah but they're definitely strong for what they believe in um, yeah I think like veganism is part of a belief system to some extent like if you're vegan for well we'll get onto it <laughs> about the environment stuff or the reasons for doing being vegan um, but I think it, it does like play part of the belief system and then if you're vegan or follow a vegan diet for religious reasons then obviously that plays into that I found some statement on the internet or like I don't know just stereotypes I guess yeah um, and I wondered what your reaction was to them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> lay it on me, I'm ready. Okay, you're bracing yourself. I'm braced, I'm ready. Great, okay. So, number one, vegans don't get enough protein. Oh, that's an interesting one, because I feel like like any diet can be um, lacking in anything, really, if you don't know what you're eating. Um, like a meat eater might not eat enough fiber if they don't know where fiber you know i don't know it's that kind of thing but we have like a really big idea of meat equals protein um but like meat has a lot of other things too and um like veg has protein in some well some of them have a lot of protein in but there's like beans and legumes and things like chickpeas and kidney beans and butter beans (laughs) all kinds of beans um uh, they have loads of protein in and then like tofu like i was saying has a lot of stuff um what else what are the protein sources oh peanut butter love a bit of peanut butter (laughs) protein yeah peanuts are full of protein oh wow i didn't know that i know nuts and your nuts and your beans as a protein (laughs) source (laughs) but it definitely it definitely depends on like you know what you're eating or you don't like um like my friend who doesn't eat for flavor she eats for like she needs food to live so she eats (laughs) Um, and she'll um she knows that she needs protein and she knows she needs like veg and like the i don't know different bits of a diet that you need she'll just get that but it won't necessarily taste amazing (laughs) and then me and my housemate that cook together will not really think about what's going in the meal we'll just be like oh this tastes nice or like oh that'll add a fun texture um but there's usually like a carbohydrate a protein something fibrous you know a whole bunch of stuff my mum always said to me like as long as you're plate is colourful then it's a healthy meal um which I think is a really good message like unless you're eating like skittles that's <laughs> not very healthy um but yeah a whole bunch of colour yeah I think that's quite interesting actually like it makes you more aware of what you're eating and like just more conscious of yeah for sure diets but just how to be healthy 
in a sustainable yeah, definitely. way, which is definitely something definitely. we should all get behind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Number two, vegans are hippie. <laughs> I feel like I'm a bad I'm a, the stereotype of this because I'm very much a hippie I wear dungarees and I have like <laughs> I don't know um yeah <laughs> personally yes um but I don't know I know vegans who aren't hippies my friend um Lexi from home shout out Lexi <laughs> um she's she's vegan or she was vegan for a period of time and she's like a heavyweight lifter like she's the opposite of hippie I don't know I know lots of non-vegan Hippie, oh, vegan non-hippies. But I guess also vegan hippies. I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting one, especially with your friends as well. Like, Because I think that's another stereotype. It's kind of like like you may be not as strong if you don't eat meat. Yeah. So like, it's this whole yeah, stigma definitely. around meat more than anything. Yeah. Like, meat being full of yeah. protein. Like, you need protein yeah, to be strong. Exactly. Like, but as you were saying, there's alternatives to meat. And as definitely. your friend's proving, like, you can do it while being on a plant-based diet yeah there's loads of um like weightlifters out there who are um vegan or follow a plant-based diet where they don't i mean there was what was that advert usain bolt or something who advertised corn <laughs> is he vegetarian <laughs> um <laughs> you know there's there's lots of things i think there's also like an interesting um like cultural point about meat and its relationship to masculinity um we had a lecture in one of my modules last week about masculinity um and like the ideas of masculinity as being like strong and powerful and like how meat is connected to that um i think that's a really interesting point that i hadn't really considered actually in like because that kind of links to hippies because hippies is like i feel like that's quite a feminine stereotype that hippies are like feminine (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly exactly um and like the men in hippies movements are like they have long hair they have stereotypically feminine feminine things i think that's interesting that meat is masculine therefore strong okay number three vegans are politically minded eco-terrorists now (laughs) that's that's loaded i know like when i read that i thought (laughs) uses the term eco-terrorist like what on earth is that i know (laughs) there's a lot to unpack there um i don't know i feel like that applies that's like the like the militant vegan stereotype isn't it where it's like you're vegan and oh how do you know somebody's vegan don't worry they'll tell you um like i think that's probably is that that (laughs) i think i think it's maybe referring to maybe the idea that all vegans are kind of very left-wing in their approach and yeah like they like to yeah. kind of thrust it upon you like oh you can't eat meat you've got to do this but you know like I really don't think that's the case with all <laughs> vegans yeah. but yeah I mean maybe this podcast isn't this this episode isn't the best example of vegans don't thrust it on you <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but here we are yeah I think I don't know I don't I'm trying to think of the vegans that I know I know quite a lot actually I haven't thought about that. Um, maybe we just like group together. Put <laughs> <laughs> all like penguins. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't think I have many like right-leaning vegan friends. Not because they're right-leaning or vegans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I think I think maybe the perception comes from the fact that, like, obviously, like with any cause, like anything that's underrepresented, like you need to kind of put it onto a pedestal almost um, yeah 
so I think maybe because so many people are raving about it and so many people are trying to be quite extreme with their views publicly yeah that's impacting the way we see veganism um yeah I think that makes sense and then there's also like like what's he called um Piers Morgan <laughs> when he brings on vegans and he, he only ever brings on like the weird vegans or he only ever brings on the weird people in <laughs> groups and then it's like that's not really representative of the group though yeah that's the media for you though isn't it like, yeah exactly exactly I think it's definitely a media thing number four veganism is for privileged people oh I think that's that's an interesting one isn't it because like you can say that no it's not like anyone can be vegan because like rice and beans are the cheapest thing you can get but also who wants to live on a diet of rice and beans <laughs> um and then also it's not about money privilege it's like time privilege as well because um like I was saying me and my housemate like to cook very nice meals and it takes time like we have to have like it's like two hours a night usually between like deciding to cook and sitting down to eat maybe max um and if you aren't in the position where you can, you know, put aside two or three hours a day to eat <laughs> in the evening, like, that's not um, a viable option. And a lot of cheaper meals um, in supermarkets are meat-based, which obviously isn't available to vegans. Um, and then the, like, ready meals and things like that that are available to, be, are available to vegans are a lot more expensive. Um, and I don't know if this is a, a thing, but I've kind of seen that they have, like, smaller portions as well. Um, and you just don't get a lot for your money. So I think in terms of like economic privilege, um, that yeah, definitely, like it's probably easier to be vegan if you have more time and money to spend on your diet. But then at the same time, it doesn't have to be expensive. Like you can, like veg is cheap. You can get cheap veg and you can get beans and, you know, your staples like your pulses and stuff. But then the time is an interesting thing. And then space in cupboards as well. Um, I think there's a lot that goes into it <laughs> and it's like quite a multifaceted is that the right word like Maybe. complex issue because yeah I think to some extent like veganism is not a like exclusionary community or well community is a different thing <laughs> but veganism isn't like a um, exclusionary diet I think anybody can at least have a few vegan meals a week but also if that's just not realistic don't beat yourself up about it you know it's not I don't think it's the end of the world yeah that's the thing I think it's very at the moment quite consumerist driven um definitely it just feels like a bit of a fad yeah yeah for sure but I don't know if that's because the demand's not quite there yet obviously there's a large percentage of vegans now or like a larger percentage than there was a few years back but it's not it's not like the level of meat eaters yeah where supermarkets yeah. are going to turn around and go yeah let's let's stock everything to be vegan friendly <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly my parents grew up vegetarian oh they were vegetarian from when they were i don't know in their teens or early 20s um and they like every time i mention this kind of thing to them and i'm like oh it's just there's just nothing like affordable that i can get like it has to be like if i want to get a ready meal or something it is either really expensive or i don't <laughs> And they say, like, oh, you don't know what it's like in our days. In the 80s, it was very, like, there was just nothing available. So I think compared to, like, previous generations' um, vegan products <laughs> that are accessible, I think we're doing a lot better. Um, but you're right, there's there's a long way to go, I think, before it can be on the same level as, like, a meat diet, where you can, you know, kind of pick and choose whatever you want, and it's not, like, 
cook your own meals or spend a lot of money. Even pizza, like when my friends and I do pizza, mine is considerably more expensive. I think there's a really nice one um, that's like seven pounds and I don't want to spend seven pounds on a pizza. <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting thing as well though, isn't it? Like you'd think it would be cheap, especially with takeout and stuff, because again, like meat I'd imagine is a lot more yeah. expensive than, well it is, yeah. like, it's a lot more expensive <laughs> than if you to buy some vegetables or... Yeah, exactly. So maybe it, it feels a bit silly. Yeah, it really does. I think it's. I think part of it is like um, companies creating veganism to be exclusionary, so that they perpetuate ideas of like veganism is a privilege um, by saying, okay, well this pe- this pizza seven pounds, but you can get a, even a vegetarian one for like four pounds. Um, but what what really is the difference there? If you don't have like expensive vegan cheese on it. It's just veg. Why should it be three pounds extra? What's what's you've only just taken the mozzarella off. What's what's so expensive? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, no, it makes no sense to me. Like maybe if it had tofu or like protein substitutes, yeah. I kind of understand it. Um, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Like, is there? Or is it just literally vegetables? Quite a few pizzas that I've had have had like a vegan cheese substitute on, but there was one that has like falafel on, which is an interesting pizza topping. <laughs> but I think the best thing is to just make your own pizza. Like you just can't go wrong when you make your own pizza. You make a bit of dough, <laughs> whack a bit of tomato puree on. And then the final statement: being vegan is the only identity for vegans. Oh, I don't know. Um, I have a joke with um, Joseph Futter, the first guest of this podcast, that I have three personality traits um, and veganism is one of them. So I think it can be like a joke, <laughs> you know, um, but I mean, obviously not. Like, I don't think my personality revolves around being vegan. I don't like say, oh, hi, ja- hi I'm Jazz and I'm a vegan. <laughs> There's more to me than what I eat. You know, it's like, would you go up to somebody and be like, oh, hi, I'm Ellie and I eat meat? <laughs> No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a bit silly. But I think it, it like, when that's, because um, it is a stereotype, like, it is it is fun to um, joke with friends that, like, oh, here's the vegan. <laughs> but it, it's about respect. If somebody's not eating something for a religious reason, it's as valid as not eating something for, like, a belief system that um, encompasses, like, I don't know, like the environment or yourself or your feelings about animals and stuff i think with a lot of things that aren't like mainstream like the norm yeah yeah i think it's quite difficult mm. yeah like like with all kind of identities that aren't mainstream it's quite yeah it's quite yeah because you it's like empowering to be like oh actually do you know what i've realized this about myself um and like like uh, about veganism like i realized that i don't want to contribute to this industry because it makes me feel uncomfortable for whatever reason um and like maybe that is something too proud of because like i don't want to you know give money to this thing yeah that's that's the thing i don't know like i wouldn't call it a taboo subject as such but i still think yeah. it's, it's something quite awkward to approach and that's something yeah exactly find with mainstream trends um, yeah definitely like, if you think about it, anything that's kind of in the minor- minority, like, you've always pretty much got to state it, which I think is yeah. quite a weird thing, really. Like, why do you need to state any part of your identity? Like, just be who you want, do what you want. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, so there, there are a few reasons for being vegan, then. I've, like, yeah. very, very roughly made a note of them, but obviously mm-hmm. I'm sure this list isn't exclusive. So there's preventing animal exploitation... There's health benefits. Yeah. It helps lower your carbon footprint. 
Can you think of any more or which which of these would you say is the most important for you? I was just going to, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me for any more because they're my three. <laughs> when anyone says like, oh, why do you go vegan? Then I feel like it boils down to like the environment, the animals or your personal health. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it is just those three. But I mean, I might be wrong. I, there might be something I can't think of. I feel like for me like I, I feel like the health thing is a bit irrelevant because you can be healthy on any diet like you don't necessarily need to cut out meat and dairy products to be healthy um but obviously if you are eating a lot of meat cutting down your meat consumption isn't the worst thing for your health I guess <laughs> so for me it comes down to the environment and then the animals um and I feel like the environment is a is a big topic at the minute <laughs> like with you know um global warming <laughs> all this kind of thing with the environment there's a lot of um, studies and I mean there's loads of articles on all kinds of news sources at the minute um, and for years past that talk about the animal industry contributing to like high carbon production <laughs> I guess is the right word um, and like that's because like the amount of land that it takes to produce there's infographics everywhere I think there's a website actually Cowspiracy is like a Netflix show or something <laughs> it's a funny name it has a really good infographic on the website um, that talks about the environmental side of the animal industry. Um, so, like, the amount of water that it takes to produce one kilogram of beef versus one kilogram of, like, veg or something um, is quite different. So there's a lot of water involved in that. And then where does that water come from? And then, obviously, to feed, like, the beef you've also... or the cows, you've also got to create the food for them. That means more land. Um, so in terms of the land usage, like it's much more environmentally friendly to just eat the veg, if that makes sense, like just use the land to produce the veg rather than um, the food that's going to feed the cows to then kill the cows to send them to a slaughterhouse. Like there's a lot more involved in it if you think about it like that. I think there's like human consequence as well. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like obviously there's like deforestation and the extinction of certain species that come to that. So I know in Brazil that um, 5.6 million acres oh my god my voice just broke yeah. <laughs> 5.6 million acres oh dear um, <laughs> yeah 5.6 million acres um, it's used to grow soybeans for European animals um, yeah yeah that's the thing because a lot of people bring up like oh veganism isn't as environmentally friendly because the 5.6 million acres of deforestation are used to grow soybeans but the soybeans are used to feed the animals like that's it's not all going to vegans and even then like I'm sure people who aren't vegan eat veg and soybeans like I don't think it's a vegan only thing yeah. you know I think yeah no that does raise a very interesting point though like I don't know, nowadays I see like a vegetable in the shop or something and I think, oh, that's vegan friendly. But no, it's like everybody friendly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like veganism is like any meat, any diet ever, just take out the animal products. And I, I've said to people like as a joke, like if they're like, oh, what do you even eat? I'm like, if you can't think of things in your diet that aren't meat or dairy, what do you eat? <laughs> the question is, what do you eat? <laughs> you just eat steak and milk? Like what is your diet? <laughs> a great combination <laughs> um yeah like i think it's more about the populations that grow the crop as well like yeah definitely if you think about them they're they're usually quite impoverished from quite poor backgrounds and ultimately these these crops are cash crops so 
yeah. they grow food for the benefit of other people and for like the yeah. market and the industry rather than food that will allow them to eat yeah um, i read a really interesting um just to like bounce off that <laughs> i read a really interesting um article about um i don't i can't remember where it was so i'm sorry <laughs> to those people but about um like the growth in uh, avocado consumption in like western european and american countries is like negatively impact impacting this community that grows the majority of avocados because that was their primary source because they are producing so many for um exporting to european countries um they are like yeah they're not doing very well economically or um within the communities when it was like the thing like the staple of their diets or a really big part of their diet and a lot of the comments on this article or a lot of the um discussions that i've had since reading it were saying like oh but avocados are like a staple of vegan diets but I think it's a it's like the like avocados feel like a very millennial thing I see it as like a millennial thing rather than a vegan thing <laughs> yeah like it's like part of the Instagram generation yeah like, exactly avocado exactly. on toast yeah <laughs> it's like the new caviar isn't it like yeah. the new vegan caviar yeah yeah like it's interesting the point you made about health as well because yeah it's said that if the diet's well planned like the vegan diet's well planned that it can lower like your blood pressure and cholesterol yeah and i think now i'm no scientist so i hope i'm <laughs> right <laughs> but like the animal proteins entering the bloodstream from some of the products that you eat have been seen to be a catalyst for for even some kind of cancers which yeah i don't know like yeah definitely it up like i had absolutely no idea yeah no it's it's kind of scary like because we, it's like we've been told so many things by companies that are trying to sell us meat and sell us like dairy and things like milk isn't like the calcium in milk isn't actually that much like calcium as um, some vegetables. Like dark leafy greens are really, really good for you. So like kale um, or like, uh, I don't know. If, basically, if a vegetable is dark and leafy and green, <laughs> um, then it's going to have a lot of nutrients in for you. The amount of calcium in milk isn't as much as in some vegetables um and like you're right that some meats or like quite a, a high consumption of meat is linked to um like a higher possibility of developing some cancers which is really scary if you think about it it is really scary you often see things in the newspaper like oh don't eat baked beans you're gonna get cancer like <laughs> don't do this don't do that but the yeah. fact that this one's actually scientifically proven i think it has a bit yeah. of weight to it so yeah definitely really i don't understand why it's not so widely spoken about like why is that not on the nhs website like i know i I think it unfortunately i think it does boil down to money and like companies wanting money and nobody's gonna if a company's producing like getting lots of money from you buying their product they're not gonna be like oh ps this could cause cancer you know yeah that's that's really sad because it's like I know it's, it's just not health. very good. Yeah, exactly. Why would you take the money? <laughs> I know, and you think like your consumers are gonna die, so you want your consumers to live. You want them to buy more of your products, so don't kill them. The other element of veganism is preventing animal exploitation. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I really don't want to talk about it, but I feel like we have. I know. To. No, it's yeah. Well, I feel like us saying that is a really good like introduction unfortunately because it is just really bad (laughs) it's not it's just not a good 
engaging topic to talk about veganism because no one wants to hear like the food that you're eating is killing millions you know like the choices you make <laughs> affect thousands of people or animals that's just not very nice but you know I feel I, well, I don't know because there's also like the human side of it like I feel like everyone knows the animal exploitation. We don't need to get too much into it. Um, but like the book that I said I read earlier, um, the, uh, what's it called? Why We Love Dogs, Eat Pigs and Wear Cows was absolutely traumatising in terms of the detail that it went into about abattoirs and like practices that they have because people, like workers in abattoirs, that their job, they're desensitised to violence, basically. Um, and the book had quite a lot of... Um, like interviews with people who had worked as like animal slaughterers or within that sector of the animal industry and had become so accustomed to violence that they literally they couldn't they went to a few of them had gone to therapy for like serious mental health issues because they just couldn't like function like they'd they'd been wringing chickens necks all day like it was nothing or they'd been like chopping off body bits like it's gonna do something to you you know so I think we don't really talk about the human side of killing animals, but yeah, I think that's like to some extent worse to hear than like knowing that the animals are suffering because like we're human um, and a lot of the like arguments against veganism are like, oh, well, I'm not a pig. I don't know what it feels or animals aren't sentient or conscious. And I feel like it's easier to relate to a human <laughs> than it is a pig. That's a, that's a really interesting point, actually. Like I'd never considered the human side of it. I think yeah. maybe like in passing, maybe. Yeah. Like <laughs> while some other thoughts were floating around. But <laughs> like as you say, it's not the immediate thing that you focus on. It's always yeah. looking at the animal, like the relationship between the animal and the human rather than the human yeah. side of it, if definitely. that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that definitely does. I, it's it's like tricky as well because I feel like in terms of like the discourse around mental health, and I know you've touched on this, but <laughs> the discourse around mental health changing like in recent years and like people being more open to talk about mental health, I feel like this is a really big part of what's being left out because it does affect people quite a lot. And a lot of the time the work in abattoirs is like quite badly paid and they're not very good working conditions. I mean, you're literally slaughtering animals, like they're not gonna be amazing working conditions anyway, but there just isn't the like protection for the workers. They don't get they aren't compensated for the things that they do in terms of oh, like therapy and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, of all the podcast episodes I've done so far, even if they're not directly linked to mental health, like, everything has a link. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's been the most eye-opening thing so far, is that yeah. literally no matter what you're talking about, mental health plays such a pivotal role in whatever yeah, exactly. you're doing. Um, yeah. It's like, next I want us to talk about really... The impact of consumerism and veganism, I think. I think that's yeah. the best place to, to take this. You know, leave okay. the slaughtering behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about it. It's sad. I know, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one thing I was thinking about when planning this episode was about things like Veganuary. So yeah. for me, that feels like a bit of a consumerist fad then I guess yeah. at the same time it is raising awareness um yeah so I I don't know like what's your stance on it do you think it's it's taken seriously enough by people that do do that um or do you think it's just like another social media driven consumerist kind of fad I think it's definitely a bit of both I think there's like the consumerist element to it is um you know 
maybe not so, well, I don't know for me it's quite good because I get vegan sausage rolls and I get you know like the Subway's meat sub and the, <laughs> um, all the vegan options come out in January um, which has been bad this year because you know haven't been able to get any of them <laughs> but I think there's like with social media being more into promoting things I think there's a lot of like promoting vegan products but not necessarily saying why you should go vegan like like with the Subway um, the meat sub thing um, that wasn't saying oh this has 60% less water than the meat one to produce or like it wasn't really saying why it was good to buy it was just that it's an option to buy which um, is probably better maybe in the in the grand scheme of things because it's not introducing veganism as like a political thing it's just like a fun thing to do and then I guess if you start like I've had friends who've done veganuary and then gone vegan because of that or they've being a meat eater done veganuary and then transitioned to vegan vegetarian um, and then a year later or something done veganuary again and then gone to vegan so I think it it helps as like a a definite thing that happens as like a big cultural <laughs> um, like decision for everyone to eat vegan for a month um, and try that out but I think yeah maybe the consumerist element to it isn't really the message that should be shown um, but then I'm not sure because I feel like if you if you're too political about something then it's not, it's going to push people away rather than draw them in. And I think showing them the options that are there is maybe a better way of promoting veganism. Yeah, that's true. Like making it more inclusive to what people. Yeah, want exactly. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always every year it gets to January and I say to myself, I'm going to try it. Like I'm going to give it a go and I'm just going to see what it's like. <laughs> but I'm such yeah. a fussy to that. I don't yeah. think I'd survive. I think I'd get to February. Just like... <laughs> you get to the third and you'd be like, oh, I haven't eaten for three days. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's important to remember, though, like, that's, there's, um, like, not a lot of things are exclusively vegan. Or, like, what, like, what in your diet could it be? Like, okay, let's give me a, give me a meal that you have on any random day. I'll okay. make it vegan. <laughs> I think about what I have quite often. Like usually i have this weird like spicy rice thing with chicken and pepper and like yeah it's just very spicy any any like oh i like a spicy rice yeah oh i love a good spice (laughs) (laughs) i mean this will blow your head off but yeah like (laughs) (laughs) perfect that's the right amount of spice (laughs) um yeah so i mean you could easily substitute the chicken for you know a corn chicken thing like you can get frozen corn pieces um, but I think that might be vegetarian, not vegan, because they have egg whites in. Otherwise, you know, a bit of tofu. But then tofu takes a while to prep. So if you're going for really easy, I would just add more veg to it or a tin of beans or something. Because um, that, that's like a really easy way to... Like, beans are really filling. <laughs> um, so I guess you can substitute that. But then I guess if it's something that you're used to then and you like, then it's difficult to find a substitution that, you know, fits what you've had and that you know. This is maybe going off topic a little bit, but so way back in last March, like literally, I think it's exactly a year almost. Um, I'm oh. fairly sure I had COVID. So, oh no! <laughs> I mean, yeah, like <laughs> it's a strange thing to go down. But for like almost a year now, my taste hasn't come back, like at least to the extent that it used to be. Yeah. So for me, for this past yeah. year, I've just been trying to discover what I can eat now or like yeah rediscovering flavors which sounds really strange but no no that's, that's a really interesting point and I think that like links to COVID quite well obviously because if you're not used to 
if you have like quite a limited diet, then you can try things with uh, the opportunity that you have them, which is now. Yeah, that's that's the thing I'm trying to get. Out. It's like, so for ages I can eat sandwich meat. Like it literally tasted like like feet. Like it just wasn't <laughs> good. <laughs> um, what else? Like I couldn't have fizzy drinks for ages. Like you could really taste the syrup. Um, yeah. And it really did take a while to yeah to kind of cook. That's it good with then if you if you're can... adding in foods to your repertoire. <laughs> yeah, like I had to just start from scratch with everything and I think that's the point I'm trying to make is that it takes time to Definitely. establish taste and it takes time yeah. to re-establish taste but once yeah. it's there and once you give it a go it's achievable definitely I've got a few friends who when they were really really young just didn't eat vegetables like you know kids not eating vegetables and finding them gross and stuff um and they've realized living alone or living you know away from home that it's the way that they were prepared that wasn't nice not the vegetable itself um and I think that makes like the world of difference um so like I was saying about roasting like the difference between a steamed broccoli and a roasted broccoli is astounding (laughs) it just tastes so much better or you can have like steamed carrots just are not very nice they're a bit mushy but roasted carrots are really good (laughs) you know (laughs) if in doubt Um, roast it out exactly if in doubt roast it out that's really good what do you think can be done to change perception and increase the number of people supporting veganism, like other than Veganuary? Oh, I don't know. I think I think it's um like what we said earlier about maybe moving away from the political message and like guilt tripping people into trying veganism and just um presenting it as like a new way of eating or a, a like the whole like trying to eat vegan once a week was quite a nice thing. I think. Yeah, presenting it as a as a fun choice rather than um like something that you're shamed for. That's um guilty if you're guilty if you're not vegan because it's just not very inclusive. <laughs> and um I don't like making people feel bad. <laughs> it's not, not very nice. Do you have any other suggestions? Do you have anything in mind when you're thinking about this question? Um, I think I think when I was thinking about this, actually, the thing that came to my mind was maybe having more education in schools or. Like the idea of taking children to farms and like properly educating them about where food and produce comes from because then they can make their own decisions without the parents going okay this is good for you this isn't you should do this you should do that like they can make their own informed choices which I think is really really important. Yeah I think that's definitely um, an interesting point about taking kids to farms um, because I feel like when I, I think I can't remember really but I think I went to a farm when I was in primary school in like I don't know year one or year two um, but I remember it as being like oh this is a sheep isn't this a nice sheep and isn't this a nice cow rather than like this is beef <laughs> this is mutton <laughs> you know and like that's a lamb we eat them <laughs> um, I think yeah but then it's like I don't know how do you approach that topic without scarring children um and I think like the option like have it given them the option to think about where their food comes from and like what happens to um the different things and not just that's not just about meat I think it's important to know like where food comes from anyway and you could talk about it as a as a geography point so you could say like I don't know here are chickpeas they come from this area of the world does anybody eat carrots they come from here potatoes we have in the uk <laughs> you know i think it could be like uh, you can make it a fun thing i don't think it has to scar children to be like there's a pig we're going to eat that later <laughs> yeah i think that's a good point about educating things my parents always gave me the choice to eat meat or not um but obviously they've been vegetarian since they were very young maybe about my age um 
so for them it was it was less of a like cook meat in the house but if I wanted to go out and eat meat elsewhere then they didn't stop me from doing that um which I think is a really a good way of doing it because then I'm not restricted um but I know that within the house we eat vegetarian and I know that meat comes from an animal a lot of my friends who are meat eaters didn't realize that meat came from animals until they were like 12 or 13 I think I don't know I think it's really really good to make informed choices so yeah no, no, I definitely agree with that like you can't scare kids into doing one thing or another thing it's completely going to be from them um and I think that that just needs to be there that kind of that knowledge needs to be there somehow in the curriculum but I think as we both know education isn't very practical it's very much like read this book do this do that it's not it's not driven from a from a practical kind of perspective yeah definitely um yeah the education system is corrupt <laughs> that's a whole other podcast episode i'm here to talk about that one <laughs> um but yeah i think like in terms of educating children about um food and food practices i think there's probably a way to do that that's um informative but how would that fit into the curriculum maybe it wouldn't maybe there could just be books that were published and that i don't know it's a difficult one isn't it so considering everything we've talked about in the podcast, what would be your top tips for becoming vegan or at least trying to become vegan? Um, I think mainly I would say like, well done if you're taking the steps because it is difficult to change your diet. Like I feel like it's such an integral part of like just your day-to-day life, just, you know, thinking about what to eat um, and putting the steps in to change that for whatever reason. Um is probably commendable <laughs> so you know congrats um there's many websites online bbc good food's got a whole bunch of vegan recipes um <laughs> if you want any help with cooking foods um but yeah i think knowing your motivation for going vegan is a really good one to stick at it because i think it is it becomes quite maybe demoralizing if you're eating something that you not necessarily you haven't quite figured out how to make something you know as nice as the meals that you had previously and all your friends are eating people around you are eating things that you have liked previously um so if you have a reason for it keep reminding yourself of that so if it is the like the environmental stuff then maybe have a few statistics or um fun facts about you know climate change on your walls or on a poster in the fridge or something and if it's the animal exploitation then every so often maybe watch a video of some cows being happy rather than watching some cows being sad because <laughs> um, there's plenty of videos out there about horrible things try to avoid them it doesn't make you feel good <laughs> trust me um and yeah i think just have fun with it treat it as like a an adventure into something new rather than something that you're changing because you feel bad you know find new ways of um, cooking and find new ways of finding things to put into your diet so I guess just have a good time with it you know Um, remind yourself of why you're doing it eat some good food and stay happy that's really really good to end on and it's been a really interesting and a very informed chat to have Um, good I'm glad yeah so thanks thanks for joining me (laughs) it's okay so I'll see you Thank in you. two weeks' time for episode five. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tea Deep. Tune in on Tuesdays for your fortnightly fix of milky midweek magic, putting the tea in your Tuesday.